everyone, and welcome to Book Solid. We are your host. I'm India. And I'm Soraya. And today we're going to be discussing The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Spoiler alert. Hey guys, just as a heads up, we will be revealing spoilers in this episode. If you haven't yet read the book or seen the show or film, this is a courteous reminder to proceed with caution. So, just jumping in, I guess I want to start with getting your thoughts about the setting of, like, them being on the island. Yeah, so the first thing I'll say is I read The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley not too long ago, and I noticed as soon as I, just even reading the description for this one, how similar they are, it was um, a group of, like, old college friends who went to, I think it was, like, a mansion or some kind of extravagant house in Scotland, but it was really remote, really secluded, and, you know, tensions kind of rise similarly to this book, and then someone ends up dead. So it was very similar plot-wise, but what I will say (laughs) was that I think I enjoyed the guest list more than The Hunting Party. I feel like it had better plot twists and things I didn't see coming. And so just like you said, getting into the setting, I think Lucy Foley does a really good job of really immersing the reader into wherever the story is taking place. You can visualize it so clearly. You feel like you're there, like you're with the characters. And I definitely got that feeling from this book as well. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to have to check out The Hunting Party. I don't know. Honestly, I forgot how much I love thrillers and mysteries. And so I'm so glad that we did the guest list and the family upstairs because I'm edging back into that world. And that's one of my favorite genres to read is psychological thrillers. I got really into them and then that was just all I was reading. Um, So yeah, like sometimes it feels like reading so many, I've gotten to a point where endings feel predictable or you kind of see a plot Mm -hmm. twist coming. Um, But this one really got me. It was genuinely, I had my jaw drop a couple of times. So that was nice. Yeah. And... So you mentioned this with the hunting party. I feel like it's really clever that she makes these environments secluded. They're very isolated. So as we all know, this wedding takes place on essentially this abandoned island that's also haunted. Um, (laughs) And so, or allegedly haunted. What could go Um, wrong? (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like, you know, right there, like right off the jump, she's setting the tone. We're in this space that's pretty far from civilization air quotes or just humanity so whoever's on the island like you're very contained so it's Mm -hmm. already going to heighten tension I feel like that was really clever but I just couldn't help but think to myself I personally haven't thought too much about like where I'm going to get married in the future and wedding venues and all that stuff if I go down that route but I do know where I'm not going to get married (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) you will not You will not catch me getting married next to a graveyard, next to a haunted mansion, next to a slave plantation. Yes, I'm looking at you, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. I told somebody that the other day, one of my friends who like loves Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, yeah, you know, I used to really like him too. But then I found that out and I told him about it. And he was just like, oh, huh. You know, it's there's just things you do and there's just things you don't do, right? So like in the guest list, Jules, the bride, I'm not sure she knew too much about the fact that several people were killed or died on the island and like there's the graveyard. But like I just kept picturing in my head, you have the graveyard and they fully made a point to mention how the graves were stacked next to each other, like the tombstones and stuff. 
And right next to it is the marquee where they're having the dancing and the main event, cutting the cake, all that good stuff. Then there's this bog where there's literal quicksand. And then, you know, the main, I guess, house or whatever. And so I, I also understand it comes up in the story. You know, she's kind of on a budget as far as the venue goes. And so she happens to get this place half off. And I get that, you know, that's a steal. But I'm not getting married <laughs> next to a graveyard. That just, that's not in the cards. Yeah, just not really the setting I had in mind. And even, uh, I think Hannah, it is like, takes note of how dilapidated the the chapel itself is. She said it looks like the roof was blown off or something like that. Like she gives a really lengthy description of what even the chapel itself looks like. She said it had, I think, something like a haunted beauty. I was like, I don't want a haunted beauty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then also just kind of jumping in generally with the book, um, one thing I really enjoyed was the chapter size. I, it could just be me, but a lot of times when books have these long-winded chapters, sometimes it kind of takes me out because I also like to try and like, you know, I'll read five chapters today, but if each chapter is like 50 pages, you know, mm -hmm. that's not really realistic. And so it was nice that she was able to create momentum and tension, especially towards the end when we had these like one page chapters or two page chapters and, you know, you, you just keep flipping and flipping and it's like, what's going to happen? So that was really nice. Yeah, it definitely kind of heightens the excitement, like you said. And I think it enables me in a way because, you know, you do that. Okay, one more chapter. Okay, one more chapter. And every chapter is ending on a cliffhanger. You're like, okay, okay, okay. And that's how you end up staying up until 4 a.m. to finish it, which is exactly <laughs> what I did. Yes. But, you know, that's like compliments to the chef. I mean, compliments to the author in this case, because I really miss that with thrillers. It's so interesting. I'm just like, what is going to happen? You know, then you have your theories and you see how things play out, which we'll get into pretty soon here. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so um, I guess you want to move into the characters because I feel like we have a little bit to say about some of the characters yes. attending this wedding. Starting off with Jules. I didn't really know what to make of her. I couldn't decide if I liked her or if I didn't like her. And then in the ending, I feel like I understood her more and generally just felt bad for the way that her wedding unfolds. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting the way that her and Will, the groom, were put together as like this picture perfect couple. And, you know, she's the head of her company, The Download, and he's this celebrity. And, you know, they're just so beautiful together. And I feel like every time I get those descriptions, I'm just like, something's got to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, Jules, she was interesting. She definitely has some deep-seated resentment or things go that from her childhood that she has not moved on from. And I'm not saying like she's at fault for that because I mean she's really upset about the things that have happened to her and rightfully so. Um but that definitely feeds into the person she is now, like her constant need for control. Mm -hmm. Um she doesn't manage her anger very efficiently. Like we find out that the way she handles her anger is by breaking things. And, you know, she also really, really resents Olivia, her younger sister, because she mm -hmm. feels like she got everything that she never had. So I feel like Jules is very complex. There's a lot of factors at play for why she is the way she is. But it, it, I kind of agree. I wasn't really sure what to make of her at first. Like I was very on the fence about her. I will say that I'm really so... Towards the end, when she overheard Will and Olivia, over, you know, arguing over by the water, I really thought that she was going to think, I thought she was going to get mad at Olivia and think Same. that she was trying to, like, seduce Will or something. 
Mm-hmm. Cause you know, her relationship with Olivia, like we said, is already so fraught. I didn't like the way she handled the situation with Olivia when she almost drowned because she was like stealing her wedding thunder instead of being concerned about her. Yeah. I just didn't appreciate that she immediately got angry with her and assumed that it was because she's trying to make a scene because she wants attention. Mm-hmm. Clearly there's something going on here. You know that your sister normally doesn't behave this way. You've known her for her entire life. So I just feel like she should have fought a little harder, try to figure out what was going on or thought of someone other than herself. I understand it's her wedding day, but I mean, her sister almost died. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It was, I was grappling with like, cause I was trying to understand her, but in that moment, this wasn't an everyday occurrence. This was clearly a pretty serious situation that happened. And for her to instantly be like, she's just seeking attention. She's being selfish. I was surprised um, in a good way that Hannah Charlie's plus one slash wife was more sensitive in that moment and was like, I need to check on Olivia because clearly she's going through something and no one really seems to realize the severity of the situation. And I also think Aoife, the wedding planner, was also pretty concerned. But Olivia was just like, or sorry, Jules, um, she was just like, well, you know, she's trying to steal away the limelight. I think it speaks a lot to Jules' character, too, and kind of... She, I would say she's a little self-absorbed, and I think it's definitely shown in the fact that Hannah, who knew Olivia for all of a day, could tell there was something more going on with her as opposed to her own sister. Right. And also, one more thing I wanted to say. I... So, it's come up a few times, this theme of infidelity and adultery, but mm-hmm. her whole little friendship with Charlie... Just wildly inappropriate. And, like, of course, we find out in the end that they actually did sleep together while Charlie was married to Hannah. Um, But we didn't know that in the beginning. And I just keep thinking to myself, like, yes, it's one thing to have cold feet. That's obviously very normal in the realm of marriage and weddings. But to literally be flirting (laughs) with your best friend, that's just selfish. Like, there's a million things wrong with that. And so... At that point in the book, when Charlie and Hannah first arrived to the island and she's all flirtatious and then later that night, they are like sequestered off talking and I think she was, I'm not really sure that I remember like the details of the conversation, but essentially like wasn't she implying um, just say no, like do you really want me to go through with this kind of thing? Yeah, they were having that conversation on the roof and she kind of, I think she hinted at like do you think I should go forward with this with Will? Or I can't remember exactly what she said, but it basically prompts Charlie to say, like, come on, Jules, you know we never would have worked. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, I find their friendship to be, first of all, I was thinking Hannah is very uh, accommodating to the whole situation. And not like I'm saying like she can't trust her husband to have female friends, but I feel like Jules never made an effort to include Hannah I feel like Jules liked this whole idea of the fact that she was there before Hannah Mm -hmm. and she knew how important she was in Charlie's life and she definitely fed into that. Oh, me and Charlie need to go talk about his MC duties. Me and Charlie need to do this or specifically telling stories from a time when it was just him and or her and Charlie so that Hannah couldn't chime in. Mm -hmm. I just feel like she made it very obvious of like Charlie was mine first type of thing. And I just really didn't like to how Charlie really fed into it. I was like, you're not going to bring Hannah all this way and make her hang out with all these people she doesn't know and have her out here looking stupid, okay? Right. That's your wife, you know, the mother of your children. And you can show her some respect. And Hannah even mentioned a couple of times how Charlie was undermining her. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so uncool because 
I don't know if any of you have been in that situation before, but when you're at a social gathering, any kind of party, whatever, and you are there with one person and that's like your only connection to that whole party and that person decides to turn their back on you or not pay attention to you, it's painfully awkward. I feel like you feel stupid. You're like, why am I even here? You know, everyone also has this kind of relationship. The guys all went to school together mm-hmm. and it's just like trying to fit in in a place where you know absolutely no one, you're not even a part of the same crowd. It's just such an uncomfortable and awkward situation to be in. Right. And it absolutely speaks to Jules's character and everyone who didn't make an effort to include Hannah, because that's always the first thing I like to think about. Like, like you said, I mean, this is a common occurrence. I'm sure a lot like we've been in listeners. I'm sure y'all have been in and can relate, but Mm -hmm. nothing's worse than being, you know, in this social environment where you don't really have a lot of connections and maybe the person you came with does Mm -hmm. and they don't make that effort to include you. Yes. Because now it's like, okay, so you don't really care about, you know, how I'm feeling at all. It's obviously going to be uncomfortable if I can't even follow along in the conversation because all you're talking about is memories. But, you know, would it have hurt Jules to turn every now and then or, you know, the guys like, oh, yeah, so this is when we were in the ninth grade at this time and, you know, like just help ground people into the conversation, include them. That goes a long way and it speaks to their character. Yeah. Give them some background on the story. It is not that difficult. And like Charlie, he brought her here and then just immediately kind of tossed her to the wayside for Jules. Right. And so for Hannah to have to sit there and watch him behave like that and he just treated her terribly the entire story. Mm-hmm. And like, you're much too good for this guy. Throw the whole man away. <laughs> I feel like one thing that was really interesting, and I'm sure it it made sense, but it definitely added to everything is everyone, like, I just pictured everyone to be, like, wildly and belligerently drunk. Yeah. So, of course, when alcohol and later drugs and all that gets into the mix, it's going to skew perceptions. However, he's still aware that that's his wife. He's still aware of the fact that she has no connection to anyone else on the island for the most part. And so I understand, yes, he's, like, the MC, but... She literally realizes um, everyone had went away to take pictures, which I also thought, like, mm, that's kind of rude that, like, she couldn't be in at least one picture. I was like, uh, mm, I don't know about that. But so Charlie goes off to take these pictures with Jules and Will and everyone. And so Hannah's by herself. And there's, like, that scene when she's, like, trying really hard to, like, make friends and socialize and only to find out that they finished taking pictures And Charlie is off doing whatever. And like, he didn't even make the effort to go and find her and I guess kind of save her in a way. I mean, she was actually doing pretty good by herself, um, mingling and stuff, though she was uncomfortable as anyone would be in that situation. Yeah. I'm just like, Charlie is just progressively getting worse and worse. And then, of course, at the end, when we find out that he cheated while they were married after you know she was dealing with postpartum depression after having been he was like yeah you know you just weren't really that involved in the relationship and you were just kind of out of touch or whatever and to know that he did that because she asked him did you guys hook up when you were teenagers which i thought i i was almost positive i'm like i'm sure they probably did because it was kind of hinted you know earlier in the story and then he pauses and then he reveals it was while they were freaking married I'm just like, 
okay i i'm honestly i i don't even know that i could sit by him in the boat ride back to the main island or to the mainland and everything yeah she um first of all i want to commend her for her trying to talk to people mm-hmm. after the ceremony of her like going from group to group trying to talk to people i'm like good on you hannah because if i was somewhere and i didn't know anybody i'd be like you know what i'm just gonna hang out over here if someone wants to talk to me that's cool i'm also perfectly content being by myself right i'm very much the speak when spoken to type <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in fact, you know, have a book in my purse, something to that nature. Probably not reading at a party, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I just like I'd much rather stand somewhere alone than like force awkward conversations. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, good on you for trying that. And then, yeah, so I know we talked about last, I think it was last episode. Yeah, infidelity. We have no tolerance for it. So for Charlie to be like, well, you know, we hadn't had sex in so long. She had just had a baby. Mm -hmm. She birthed a whole human. And your reason for cheating on her was because you hadn't had sex in a long time. And Jules had just broken up with someone and she was really distraught. Like, I don't care. Those are not, there's no, what am I supposed to feel bad? Like, oh, you're right. Sorry. That's okay then. Mm-mm. And he had a lot of nerve for making her feel bad about because mm-hmm. she was like kind of flirting with Will. And I'm not saying flirt with someone in front of your spouse. I'm not saying that at all. But for him to make her feel bad about that right. when he knows he had sex with someone that he's still friends with while he was married to her. Mm-hmm. So hypocritical. Yes, Charlie. I just I don't know. I just felt like his character. I didn't understand I don't know that we get a chapter from Charlie's perspective at all. Mm-mm. No, we don't. Yeah. So all that we know about him is through Jules and Hannah's chapters for the most part. But that still doesn't excuse his actions. And like, yeah, he just got progressively worse. And by the end of it, um, I agree with what you said. I was just like, Hannah, you're a better person than me because <laughs> in that situation, I don't even know. I was shocked that she was able to even talk to him because I know at one point she said she couldn't. But yeah, I would need a moment after that. Mm-hmm. I felt Hannah's pain because she had these doubts and she was wondering and wondering and wondering. And finally, it was even worse than she thought, you know, like yeah. that's and such a sucker punch. You never want to have your doubts confirmed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you think something and you're like, oh, but it's probably not true. And like you said, to have it be true, but then be so much worse than what you thought the truth was. And I know there's like that old saying, it's like, if you don't want to hear the answer, don't ask the question. Mm-hmm. But she deserved to know. And I'm ultimately glad that she found out. But yeah, it just, I really felt for her. And I guess like we've, we've kind of been talking about Hannah for the past few minutes. So moving into her character, I would say she was probably one of my favorite characters throughout the book pretty mm-hmm. level-headed pretty decent person i liked the bond that she formed with olivia she seemed to be the only person there who really cared about what was going on with olivia or even acknowledging that something deeper was happening everyone else was just calling her crazy mm-hmm. which was horribly insensitive with hannah's character i felt like i'm trying to think of everyone else in the story there's some that i guess i could say i liked but she probably was my favorite character just because I don't know she was like a, a superstar in the you know in terms of trying to mingle and go outside of her comfort zone in this incredibly uncomfortable environment and just the way that she handled things with Olivia like she definitely had a, a really heightened emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and it helped her to navigate these really like choppy dynamics going on and I felt like she was written really well there were times when like when she was kind of flirting with Will and I was kind of like, eh. 
no, <laughs> but I mean, she certainly didn't do what Charlie did. So there's that. Yeah, she just had a self-awareness, the character that was really refreshing considering everyone's like secretive and ulterior motives and all that. And I felt like Hannah, we always kind of knew how she was feeling. Right. Well, kind of segueing into Olivia, I just really felt bad for her. I think um, her mom was one of the few ones who was kind of aware of some of the things that were going on with her and she was more understanding. But it was definitely hard to watch. I don't know. Like, she was very aware that everyone thought that she was weird and this outsider and stuff. But on the same hand, she also couldn't control some of the things she was going Mm -hmm. through. And so I just really felt bad for her. I wanted her to be comfortable. And I I realized, like, that wasn't going to happen. And we didn't really know why she was so incredibly uncomfortable like we knew she was dealing with some things from her past she had a a failed relationship essentially with I think like her high school sweetheart or college sweetheart and then she would later go on to date an older man who um things went south he ghosted her she ended up getting pregnant had to have an abortion she reached out to him and he completely just ghosted her and so she's dealing with all this by herself from what i understand jules doesn't know about any of that until the end and so we know about that but we don't know the full details until the very end and once we do that really kind of puts things into perspective because she was battling so much on her own And like you said earlier, it was so nice that she at least had Hannah, who she felt comfortable with. Um, And they just, I don't know, it was just like kindred spirits. They just had a good friendship going on right off the jump, even though it was their first time meeting each other. Yeah, like you were saying, just to see the toll, that how difficult it was. And like you said, it was really heartbreaking to see her feel like she couldn't open up to anybody and to see everyone putting all this pressure and expectation on her and getting frustrated with her when they don't even know the half of what's going on like the way Jules was treating her she was so frustrated and she's like why can't she just do this and why can't she just do that and mm-hmm. it was like if you only knew you know and so like you, I just wanted her to have somebody I wanted her to feel comfortable opening up and to get to have Hannah be that for her I'm glad that she found Hannah or they, and that Hannah chose to kind of not push her, but try to get her to open up instead of just like taking what everyone was saying about her at face value. Because that's something that really bothered me is not one person on that whole island, not one person in her family tried to figure out what was going on with her. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's just Olivia. She's a little mentally unstable. Like those are the things they were saying about her. You can look at her and tell that she's upset that there's something going on there, but not one of you bothered to try to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, even her own sister. Instead, she just resorts to being angry and frustrated. Like, I just, these were some of the most self centered people I had ever seen. Right. And, um, moving into, because I said everyone on this island was so very self centered. I couldn't stand pretty much all of the characters except for Hannah and Olivia. I was so unbelievably tired of Will's friends. Like, Mm -hmm. I cannot stress this enough. If I heard boys will be boys one more time, like, (laughs) they were just the most obnoxious bunch of people. They wouldn't shut up about their old school. (laughs) They were rowdy. They were inconsiderate, like, making Emma, or not Emma, sorry, that's a character in The Hunting Party, um, making Hannah chug that champagne and Mm -hmm. just all around being incredibly obnoxious 
people, I could not have handled five minutes with them, let alone the whole weekend. Like they were just rowdy. I could perfectly picture their behavior. I could perfectly picture them as characters and they Mm -hmm. were anything that had to do with them. I was like, ugh, just mentally preparing myself. They were, I, yeah, could not stand them, could not stand them at all. Yeah, I feel like she was kind of touching on this concept of toxic masculinity. Yes. Because, like, you know, I don't think no one's contesting. Like, obviously, people can be masculine. Like, that's fine. But what they were doing and the routes that they were willing to go, like you said, pressuring Hannah to chug um, the beer and just all the, like, aggression underlying and just the way that they handled things and And I remember thinking early on when they were talking about that survival game they played when they were in um, school, when they were younger, I I just, I just knew it. I was like, somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to get hurt. This is like a very violent, (laughs) awful game. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just like, what are you guys trying to prove? Right. You know, you just keep trying to one up and one up each other. The only way that's going to end is in death. Like, they, they, these are human lives. They're, you know, this isn't a video game. They're not ragdolls. Like, you can't just put people into these near death and, you know, what they do to Charlie. Essentially, just leave him out tied up. I think he doesn't have on any clothes. It's like the dead of winter. Oh, yeah, at the stag. Yeah. I know it's what we would call a bachelor party. No, yeah, the stag. You know what? I didn't even put that together. It's really funny. I've been reading a lot of books that take place in the UK or in Australia. And there's a lot of things that obviously like we have certain slang terms or like Mm -hmm. just foods or what have you that are different. And so I find myself Googling stuff a lot. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. (laughs) Like they call sneakers trainers or (laughs) like to me, a jumper to me, I'm like a jumpsuit. And I was like, oh, a sweater. Yeah. You've got to got to be a little more well-versed. Well, just kind of quickly picking back off of that, this past summer, I watched Love Island. It's Oh like my a, gosh. My friend told me to watch it. Yeah. And you know, I'm not even that big on reality TV shows, but I just was like glued to the screen. And it was like 50 episodes or something, one hour each. Like you said, like the slang, I was Googling things. I'm like, oh, okay, got it. And like, okay, so this is what this is. And I understand, obviously, you know, one reality show isn't going to represent an entire group of people. Right. But I'm just like, wow, I need to like broaden <laughs> my horizons a little bit. I think it's just funny because I think with we have this assumption that because it's another English speaking country that it's like, yeah, our words and mm-hmm. like our vernacular our slang terms will be similar. But, you know, it is a whole another country. So anyway, the stag. Yes. And so we see the way that they behave with Charlie. And it's like you said, they love saying that boys will be boys. And he's just, you know, essentially it was kind of like hazing him in a way. But I just couldn't help but think of this concept of toxic masculinity and how, you know, they just take it to the 10th level with everything. And I just, I just kept thinking, why, you know, Mm -hmm. is it like self-esteem? Do you feel like you have to prove something to someone? Is it just, I don't know, but yeah, they were, they were a hoot. Yeah. I was really, I was quite tired of them after about five minutes but um so i guess that kind of brings us to jono because we do that's the only one of his like schoolmates that we get to kind of read from the perspective of Mm -hmm. and so jono i wanted to like jono like i think like the first couple chapters was like okay he really seems to idolize will and you know they seem to have some like deep-rooted connection like jono kept referencing we have a bond there's 
we have something that brings us closer together than anybody else. And I was like, okay, so something happened here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. At first, I low-key thought he was in love with Will. Oh, really? Um, just from, yeah, just a little bit, just from the way he was talking about him. Like, those first few chapters, he really, like, talked Will up. He got really upset when the other friends got there because he wanted it to be just the two of them. Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I was just kind of, I was getting vibes of, like, I was like, maybe he's in love with Will and, like, he doesn't want Will to get married. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyway, I... I wanted to be i wanted to like jono's character until he cornered olivia outside and was really predatory with her he grabbed her arm and was like oh well we are gonna get a dance tomorrow because i'm the best man and you're the bridesmaid he was kind of trying to exert like some power over her Mm -hmm. because he saw she was in a vulnerable situation and so that turned the tide for me for him because i was like oh okay you know you're not really the character that i thought you were Mm-hmm. And um, it seemed like there were some, I'm not seeing him, there were definitely some deeper things at play. Like he was battling his own demons. That's not excusing what he did to Olivia. I'm just like going further into his character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hinted at throughout the book that he's definitely fighting some demons of his own and dealing with some kind of unresolved issues. So it was, I was definitely intrigued um, as we went along to find out what they were because I knew they definitely had something to do with Will. But yeah, I would say all in all, I, I, wasn't too crazy about his character something that completely (laughs) threw me for a loop with his character was the fact that so i mean throughout i would say 60 percent of the book maybe less he's really hyping up this brewing company that he started and so he's talking about it and you know his best bud will chooses to serve that brand at the wedding and so for him he's so I guess he's happy about it because, like like you said, he's going through it, um, especially compared to his friends. Or I guess they all kind of went on to follow career paths that are more higher class or more like socially acceptable, and he hasn't quite found his footing yet. And so mm-hmm. for him, he's like, well, I'm so glad that I have this whiskey company because, you know, I can finally be accepted. And, you know, I feel like, okay, I can empathize with that. Like, yes, that right. makes sense that he's going to feel that way yeah. until... We find out that he was lying about the whole thing. Yeah, that was crazy. When he said that, I was like, say what? Like, (laughs) that's just like, it's like a, it was something I didn't even think about being a plot twist. You know what I mean? Like, I just took it at face value and I was like, yeah, sure. So that was really surprising. And then we get another plot twist. I guess it's kind of Jono and Will. But when we find out that Will is the reason that Jono wasn't hired for the survivalist show. Yes. And it's so funny because I remember early in the book, um, Will was weird about Jules inviting Piers, which was like the producer, I think, of the show. Mm-hmm. And so for some reason, when we got to the chapter where Jono saw Piers and walked up to him, as soon as they started talking, I was like, he's going to find out that Will's the reason he didn't get it. Oh, I don't know really? why I got that. Yeah. I don't know why I got that vibe, but I was like, I bet you that Will's the reason. And so when they started talking, I was like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Are we even like, I mean, we're shocked because we're meant to be, but everything we've learned about Will up until that point, I was like, okay, this checks out. Absolutely. Yes. That was like the first really big one. And especially just because Jono also says, which I thought was, I just feel like this must have been wildly uncomfortable. But when they run into each other, they go out for drinks and Will tells them about the wedding and he's like, I'm going to be your best man, right? I don't know that I would have done that, but of course Will agrees. And so 
just to know that Will is just moved on after, and he knows Jono's situation. Like, he knows he's maybe not in the best point in his life right now, and he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that was a trip to see. But I just wanted to say, so when Jono, so after he finds out and he starts drinking, I think he starts doing coke, bubbling up to this really bad place. And so... I think as the readers, we're just kind of waiting for the train wreck because we know there's going to be this conflict, especially when we find out that Will rushes over to Piers and Jono when he sees them talking. I thought that maybe the confrontation would happen there, but Jono mm-hmm. waits. And so it's kind of brewing this tension. And so later in the evening when he gives the toast, um, I couldn't help but think of that episode of Black Mirror on Netflix called Nosedive. <laughs> um, when it's like the same idea, right? So basically, it's just friends reconnecting. But the main character gives a toast at the wedding, just like in the guest list. And it's this idea of just a train wreck. You know things are going to go south. She finds out some things about her former best friend, realizes, you know, she's a bad person. And this toast is just like, and she's drinking. And like, in the episode, she's like covered in dirt. And it's at this very affluent wedding, much like in the guest list, there was so much attention to detail with trying to prove their status. And like, Will's a celebrity. Jules is like this digital mogul, right? And so, um, you know, they have this type of image that they're going with for their wedding. And at this moment, Jono, who's like belligerently drunk at this point, is on the mic and everyone, like you could just, I feel like you could hear a pin drop in the room because he's starting to go off. And we think in that moment, he's going to expose Will because he's realized that he can't trust him. But he doesn't quite do that. And so, yeah, I just thought of that episode at that point. And then later, of course, they go on to do their toxic masculinity games and they tie him up and they throw him in a cave and tell him to find his way back in the middle of his wedding. Yeah, I literally rolled my eyes as you said that, remembering it. Because I was like, that's just so... Is now the time for this? When they were talking about how they started howling or something right howling and stomping and i'm like i just can't i just don't have the patience so yeah they take will down there and that's when we kind of learn what happened that history between will and jono Mm -hmm. when they killed their younger classmate will says on accident jono thinks otherwise i'm more inclined to believe jono and think that will did it on purpose because Mm -hmm. Will, we see this demonstrated time and time again, and I guess we're kind of moving into Will's character here, but if he is threatened in any way or you're threatening his livelihood, you're threatening his success, or you make him feel inferior or humiliated, he will find a way to retaliate. Mm-hmm. And so as we know, you know, this young kid really looked up to them. We find out um, his name is Darcy, but they called him Loner. He really looked up to them. He would do anything to get their attention, their approval. And he finds out that they stole the GCSE. Darcy finds that he confronts them about it. And that's when Will decides that it is time for Darcy's game of Survivor. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Survival. I think so. He decides it's time for Darcy's game of Survival. So they take him down to like this cove kind of on the beach. They tie him to the handrail and tell him to find his way back. They don't account for the tide. It comes in and ends up drowning him. And so we find out that this is the incident that has been plaguing Jono since his childhood. Rightfully so. I mean, you killed somebody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's never been able to 
like Will was able to just push this to the side, call it an accident. It clearly didn't hold him back in his life, but Jono has been feeling guilt about this ever since. It's very clear Will has a pattern of he will not let his success be compromised. He will not let you hum humiliate him. So, you know, Darcy confronted them and he put him in a situation that ended up getting him killed. We find out that Hannah's younger sister, who had been exploited by an ex-boyfriend with videos and pictures of them having sex after she broke up with him, ended up being Will. Why? Because he felt humiliated and he had to get her back. Like, we just see this constant pattern of right. him needing to get his vengeance on people. And so, yeah, I just think it was very... Or we just got a lot of insight into Will's character there. Definitely. Just kind of going off of that, I want to get your opinion on this because I remember when I read it, I just kind of cringed. So first, it's kind of like a series or it's like a gradual unfolding of Will's character. We kind of find out he's, okay, so he's bad. Oh, wait, he's worse. Oh, no, he's really bad, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but so we find out first, of course, that he was the older man involved in Olivia's life. They met mm -hmm. on a dating app. He flakes on her, ghosts her, then goes on to get engaged and marry her sister. I was just going to say, I feel like that's part of what makes it so hard for Olivia because it's like, even if she tried to... I know she kept saying she just wants to... I think she said something about wanting to move on from what happened to her. Like, she just wanted to go back to feeling how she did before. And mm -hmm. obviously what she went through with, you know, her abortion and everything was really traumatic. So regardless, like, it's something that's going to... The healing will take time. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine trying to do that healing with the person who caused this pain exactly. being right in front of your face every day. Knowing this person is going to marry your sister and now be a part of your family. It makes that healing near impossible. 100%. And so I felt like that situation right there, that was shock value enough. That was like illuminating enough because instantly I realized this guy is very sinister. He's got some motives we don't know about. And also um, the whole situation with Jono, I just kept thinking it was a I know what you did last summer moment because like the way that they were talking, I just knew they had to have killed someone because mm -hmm. I'm like, what could possibly, you know, they have that's binding them together so we have those two, right? Mm -hmm. I just felt like it was overkill and it pulled me out of the narrative when it's also revealed that Will is the same one who was in a relationship with Hannah's sister and, you know, was ultimately a factor in her suicide. I just felt like that was too, like, unrealistic, you know? Mm -hmm. I felt like, like, I understand why she did it and it was just more... It was more understanding as to why Will is a bad person, but I just kept thinking to myself, like, it was already enough what he did to Olivia, what he did to Jono, and later what we find out that he does to another character um, in terms of Darcy's death, but in terms of the writing, that was the element of the story that I questioned. I'm like, this is a little gimmicky now to include that. Gotcha. Yeah, I think for me, I actually kind of liked it just because to me, it was like just one more thing that I wasn't expecting. And I see what you mean. It kind of toes the line of, like you said, being overkill, being like, okay, now you're doing this for shock value type of thing. Definitely see where you're coming from in there. But I think it was just something that I was so far removed from even thinking about that when it came to that point I was like holy cow and what it I kind of liked about it was it reminded me of now I haven't read the book 
I've only seen the movie, so forgive me all, but uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, it's Agatha Christie. Did you ever see the movie or read the book? Um, so I, I haven't. I used to watch Agatha Christie's shows a lot when I was a kid. So like, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the story. And I did read the synopsis on uh, Murder in the Orient Express just because I know it came up in the reviews for this book, like people were making comparisons. Oh, that's just what I was about to do. Yeah, I definitely, and I actually meant to watch it before this episode, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to watch it and read the book. Yeah, it kind of was a callback to that or kind of reminded me of it in a way because there was that specific part in the book where we've kind of realized now fully what Will has done. And we get like back to back to back chapter of Olivia, Jules, Aoife and Hannah mm-hmm. after they've all kind of figured out what he's done. So at this point, we know that it was Aoife's younger brother. Mm-hmm. We know that who died because of Will. We know it was Hannah's younger sister who committed suicide because of Will's actions. We know what Will did to Olivia. And we know now that Jules has realized what he did to Olivia. So they all have those back-to-back chapters where it's like, and then the lights went out. Oh, and then even Jono has one. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about? There's a part where like they all have that realization and they're mm-hmm. cutting the cake and they go and the lights went out and the lights went out and like four chapters uh, consecutively end like that. And it kind of reminded me of Murder on the Orient Express because at this point we're all assuming that Will's going to be the person who dies. Actually, I think we already know it because the guys are looking for the body. They've already found Will. So now we have five characters who all have the motive to kill him. And so I feel like that just spiced it up even more because we're like, wow, who did it? Who actually committed the act? And so in Murder on the Orient Express, it's a similar situation where we find out that all people have a reason to Mm -hmm. have killed that character. And so it's just kind of like, I don't know, it really reminded me of that in a way. And I like that it kind of played on that suspense and anticipation of, okay, well, who's going to get to him first? There was even a part of me that was like, did they collude and do this together? And so, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Well, while we're on the topic, have you seen Knives Out on Amazon Prime? I have, yeah. Okay, I haven't. <laughs> I, oh, I've okay. seen like I've seen like a fourth of it. Um, but I just similarly this idea of multiple motives. A lot of people had a vengeance against the person who dies, and so mm-hmm. just creating that suspense. That's kind of similar to Murder on, on the Orient Express. Also, I don't know. Have you seen? murder mystery it's also on netflix no i have not okay so that one jennifer aniston and adam sandler yes okay i watched murder mystery with my siblings one day just randomly we didn't really have anything in mind and it was kind of like satire in a way because they're kind of flipping this idea on its head and really driving home the whodunit trope Mm -hmm. um but I'd say it's worth watching. Like if you have nothing else to do, it's uh, it's similar again. A lot of people with motive. The lights go out. Somebody's dead. <laughs> you know. Classic. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also Ready or Not. Yeah. So it was a horror that came out. Or actually it was more so a horror comedy. That one was another one where it's like this idea of a wedding gone awry. I won't say too much about it. I guess I have a question for you about Will. So when we reach that point in the book and we know that there are five people who have, you know, reason or motive to want to kill him, did you have any guesses of who you thought it was going to be? Okay, so I was leaning. Okay, so also 
like you said earlier, we're, you know, we're flipping back and forth to the future, which I also thought that I, I liked that literary device in this book, just because the chapter always ended too quickly. And I was like, wait, I want to get a little bit more. And then, you know, we had to wait a couple of more chapters till we got that glimpse into the future with you know, the groomsmen in the woods looking for the body. But, you know, of course they find Jono covered in blood. And so I felt like it was too easy. And so I, I kind of knew it wouldn't be Jono. Mm-hmm. But then I was like kind of wondering, could it be Olivia? Could it be Hannah? Could it be Jules? <laughs> I was leaning towards Jules at the end too, because she was talking about the knife. This, for whatever reason, they have this obscenely sharp knife to cut the cake. And towards the end, I was kind of thinking that would have been interesting if it was Jules, just because we know the last thing that she wants is this wedding to embarrass her or go south. She's always willing to put on, you know, a happy face and march in there and act like everything's fine, even though she has her doubts and stuff. And so I was kind of leaning towards that in the end. But I will say I did not suspect who it ended up being until until their conversation yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, like, I think, like you said, before we find Jono covered in blood, I was probably most likely to believe it to be him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like you said, when they showed up with him in blood, I was like, well, that's a little, like you said, too easy, too predictable. Mm-hmm. And so trying to rack my brain at that point, like, I never would have guessed Aoife ever. Yeah, I never would have guessed her. And so I'm trying to think, I guess, between the rest of the people, I think I probably thought Hannah like, I wouldn't have been surprised. Right, because she's, like, the last one you dis- you would suspect. She's also mm-hmm. going through it. And so she kind of doesn't really have much to lose in the way that the others maybe do. Yeah, and so I was like, you know what? I could. I, I think I'd probably put my money on Hannah. And then Aoife totally shocked me. Mm-hmm. The way she's presented to us throughout the book. And she's the one who kind of keeps things orderly. And she's on top of everything. And so, yeah, so for her to be the one who killed him i was i was that was just yet another well executed plot twist in this book in my opinion right and then just the fact that you know so we know that they tormented and eventually inadvertently or possibly intentionally on will's behalf killed darcy slash loner however there was also another boy that they kind of bullied and harassed because of his weight and we find out that that is Aoife's husband. Um, totally blanking on his name right now. Freddie. And so it's interesting because in a sense, they kind of conspire to, I mean, just that whole plot. Just, that was so brilliant to me because you realize everything kind of makes sense. I was just going to say, it's so funny because Lucy Foley makes a point multiple times, like for Jules's character to be like, well, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe she, she makes mm. a point of saying how she doesn't believe in bad luck or superstition. She will not be touched by these things. So like Will sees her in her dress and she's like, well, you know, I don't care about that stuff or, um, what else? There's something else ominous. The rose petals, how they don't. Oh yeah. Them. How none of the rose petals land on them and like little things. And so she keeps making a point of acting like it's no big deal, but she should have been paying attention because, it, you know, there was something brewing there. Yes, that is an excellent point. I didn't really, like, think about that too much, but it's so true because she's being naive a little bit. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, everyone feels how they feel about superstitions, but she was just, like, almost blindly, and not even superstitions. Like, she literally got a note telling her, 
don't marry this man, don't trust him, he's a liar and a cheat. And, you know, of course, we later find out that was her sister, Olivia, warning him, or sorry, warning her. She's like, eh, I'm like, I'm going to keep the note. And like you said, it's not about like being superstitious. And I'm not saying she needed to be like, take heart for all these things, but just her but... being so, so arrogant and like, She's like, well, I perfectly plan all of this, so it's going to be perfectly fine. It doesn't matter that we're next to a cemetery, and I have a note that says not to marry him, and my sister's not okay. Like, you know what I mean? She's just mm-hmm. very arrogant in her plans and in what she wanted. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, just to have that moment with Aoife at the end, and you see how much they planned for this and how she's like she found them and i think it was on instagram and she gives her 50 percent off knowing they're not going to make a dime but it's worth it to have this kind of confrontation and then she goes on to say she didn't even plan on killing will it just happened because he's so clearly irredeemable he doesn't care he's not going to change all he cares about is being liked and successful and not to even excuse it Because it literally doesn't. There's no excusing being awful. But we do kind of see when his dad is introduced, Mm -hmm. um, the amount of pressure that his dad put on him. And just the fact that he knew what they did last summer. I know it's not the summer, but I just keep saying that. But like he knew that they essentially killed. No, they did. They killed Darcy. And so this is a learned behavior. His dad covered up for them. Then you know, Will just keeps thinking he can get away with whatever. Someone's going to cover up for it, take the hit, take the fall. He's going to keep on being charming and attractive and successful. And Aoife's just like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. He just never owns up to his mistakes at all. Like even in that privacy of the cave with, like I said, with just him and Jono and Jono's like, admit it, admit what we did. And he still refuses to, he'd rather make Jono think that he's crazy. Something I just thought of too. So that twist of, um, Will being the man that Olivia met and who ended up getting her pregnant, that kind of reminded me of like that same twist at the end of Big Little Lies, mm. where we find out what what was her name? Shailene Woodley's character, Jane. Uh, I think her name was Jane. But when we find out that Jane's character was raped and we don't know from whom, and then that twist of finding out that it was uh, Celeste's husband, it was just, mm. it kind of like gave me Big Little Vi- Big Little Lies vibes. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes. I mean, and it's always like this. I don't know. I was kind of thinking more like generally about serial killers like um, Ted Bundy, for example. When men in this instance, men who are attractive, successful, charming, are know that they're deemed that way. Like a lot of times we have this situation where they do these awful things because they know they're going to get away with it because of their yeah. status and how yeah. they're perceived. And so I felt like Will was definitely that. And I'm not saying, like, you don't, you don't just go around killing people. But with what happened with Aoife, I'm not really surprised. Because, and even when they're having this confrontation, like you said, he was gaslighting her and was like, you're, you know, you're crazy. This is all in your head. And she's like, that's literally my brother. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is what happened. And not my only my brother, but you also bullied and harassed my husband. Yeah. So, you know, she has much more insight on the situation and he's just like gaslighting her. And so she also has this insanely sharp knife. And I feel like when she took him off to have the conversation, I think she knew she was going to kill him then. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. Because, like, yeah. she'd already she'd already overheard the conversation they had in the cave. Like, Jono and Will, they didn't mm-hmm. know how much she heard. But she heard that 
he was he had no remorse and i think if in that moment that he had been honest and just just own up to the situation talked about how awful it was talked about how he still thinks about it and how like what Jono said but will couldn't say that because will didn't think about it anymore and i think if he would have showed any kind of remorse i don't think Aoife actually would have killed him but i think it was just fueled by his total disregard for the life of her brother mm-hmm. and she snapped and you know like at this point, Eva has no way of knowing this, but Will's responsible for two deaths at this point. Mm. And for what yeah. he did to Hannah's younger sister, like... Absolutely. So awful, so terrible. And I mean, look at the the turmoil that Olivia is in because of him. I mean, she had if she had drowned in that ocean that would have been three all because of his actions Mm -hmm. like no okay someone can make the argument that he did not physically kill them no but his actions contributed to their death there's that's an indisputable fact right so yeah and then i guess that kind of reminded me have you seen or heard or read about the alternate ending in get out yeah okay so uh, on that type of, I guess, that idea of wrongful convictions, how do you feel about Jono taking the heat? Because when I read that part, I thought what was going to happen was, you know, of course, he's like, you're caught red-handed kind of thing. I thought the police were going to come to the island, arrest him. And then in their investigation, they would find out that it was Aoife. Mm-hmm. But that did not happen. He no. took the fall. And then in his chapter towards the end he kind of is like this is what i get coming to terms with his past his wrong actions his predatorial behavior the following day and whatnot just everything he's done in his life that's led him to that moment and so i was trying to think to myself how i felt with that ending so how did you feel yeah like you said i think it is very symbolic in a way because Jono has kind of put himself in this prison mentally ever since it happened he, you know, he, he he's not like Will where he just removes himself from the situation or absolves himself of all guilt or convinces himself that it was a mistake. So I think he was in a prison of his own making, essentially, for, you know, these past however many years it's been. Mm-hmm. And so I think for him, I think he took the blame because for him, he needed to to heal. I think he wanted to be punished. I don't think mm-hmm. he liked that he got away with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just this guilt now following him around. And so for him, I feel like it was, it was like a necessary part of his healing process. Like, he finally feels like he's getting the punishment he always thought he deserved. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for his character, I think that's an interesting choice. And I'm not surprised that he made that choice. Aoife getting off scot-free. I don't know. It's conflicting because, like, on the one hand look at everything will did but then on the same token we don't get to decide who lives or dies but then like he did you know mm-hmm. i don't know it's interesting Aoife not having any repercussions whatsoever i'm really i'm i'm curious if she will be able to kind of live with herself mm-hmm. knowing that she did that or if in time this is something that's going to catch up with her you know will she be okay with this forever or will the weight of what she did eventually like with Jono, kind of um come back to haunt her. Yeah, I agree. In a way, justice is served, but in a way it's not. And I wonder, you know, like you said, I don't know. Aoife didn't even really know when she set out to become their wedding planner and all that, that she was going to kill a man. And then she does it, of course, in the heat of the moment and all that. But to get off scot-free 
and just go on about your life, like continuing planning weddings with your husband. Like you did kill someone, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of like this moral ambiguity, this moral gray area. I don't know why it's reminding me like the end of Little Fires Everywhere, just in the sense of, I mean, completely, totally unrelated stories, but in the sense of like, you know, just unfinished ends. But are they? Because... You know, someone is arrested for the murder and someone who did, you know. Commit a murder. Right. Um, So that was interesting. It was just, I mean, all around, this was definitely a good plot twist. It was well articulated. I was genuinely shocked with Aoife, but it made so much sense. And then in her speech, when she's talking to Will, I'm just like, wow. Like, I can't imagine the pain that she must be feeling yeah i mean just that pain in general losing a sibling and a loved one um that close but who did you suspect it was going to be will before we found out so that's the thing is throughout the whole book you know obviously i'm like you know who who is the one who died and trying to figure that out and i Mm -hmm. don't think that i thought about it being will until i think i was i'm trying to remember i think i thought maybe it's jules Mm. um like maybe midway through the book and then about three quarters of the way i think i started thinking will because like i figure it's going to be somebody who's like someone who we're not hearing from Mm -hmm. chapter by chapter and i was like it has to be someone who's more like important to the story than his school friend and so yeah i think i started thinking like maybe it'll be will it seems like it could be will i didn't have any reasons for why yet but Mm -hmm. and that's something we were talking about too before we started recording i think we should touch on is it's really interesting that you know the whole book is told from in varying chapters but it bounces between hannah Aoife, Jono, Jules, and Olivia. Mm-hmm. But we do get, I believe, two or three chapters from Will's perspective right before he dies. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a really interesting move on her part. And and you were saying, I think, before the episode that it kind of showed us more of who Will is beyond this charming, pretty boy exterior. You know, that's all that everyone keeps commenting on. Oh, mm-hmm. he's so beautiful. He's so charming. He can make anyone feel so comfortable. And to get like a glimpse into the inner workings of his mind, I feel like was really necessary. And I like that she chose to do it at that point in the book. Yeah, I mean, when we got those chapters, I was just like, this guy is menacing. He has no remorse. All he cares about is himself, his success, and he'll do anything to get there. And I don't know, I'll take back what I said earlier. Like, I always in the back of my head, just because of the way he was described, he was on such a high pedestal. I just had this feeling he was going to be the one to be killed maybe Mm -hmm. out of jealousy. But there was that point where we find Jules' wedding crown mangled um, in the bog, or I guess the groomsmen find it as they go to search for the body. Oh, yeah. And I was kind of like, did this man kill his wife? You know, did he kill Jules or Olivia? Is that the body? Mm -hmm. Like, I I just felt like, yeah, when we got those chapters from him, I agree. Like, it was just brilliant on her end, especially at that part in the book, because... It was unexpected, and it really kind of drilled home who he was as a person. You know, there's there's no turning back. This is just who he is. Yeah. Was there anything else that really jumped out to you, maybe about a particular character or a particular scene that you thought was interesting? Yeah. So I guess just the beginning, something that was kind of... I can't remember if I've said this earlier or not, but I did kind of struggle with the setting a little bit. Um, just because, again, this idea of 
you know, I'm trying to picture. So we have the marquee, the dance floor, all that. We have like the main house. We have the graveyard. We have the bog and like, so it was quicksand, right? Or, or just like mud or like a mudslide situation. Yeah, to me, it's more, it's like muddy and like the similar effect of quicksand. But to me, I picture more like mud and. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, like you said earlier, this dilapidated environment and I couldn't help. And then also this idea of having your wedding guests go across the sea to this secluded environment. I couldn't help but think of Mamma Mia. So totally different vibes. Mamma Mia is a musical, just like so whimsical. But just this idea of like, you know, going across the sea, in this case to Greece, to this wedding venue, and like it's dilapidated, it's falling apart. And this is where like all the wedding guests are. I felt like there was this weird comparison I was drawing. And so in the very (laughs) beginning, I was like, I could hear ABBA playing in the background in my mind. (laughs) And I was like, dancing queen, like, this is all nice. Oh, it's probably so beautiful. But then the turns have tabled because it it got dark, you know, obviously, of course. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I get the, I think we were talking about this too before we recorded, but like the beauty of the seclusion, I guess I can understand, but like, I'm not making my guests get on any kind of boat. Like right. Hannah, the seasickness, I feel like that's such a prevalent issue with people. Like, thank thank God I that gene passed over me. My mom gets really bad seasickness and I, I don't, but mm-hmm. I've heard it's absolutely miserable. And so like to make your guests get there by boat and then everyone's drinking up a storm at this mm-hmm. wedding and all i could think about was that boat ride back i cannot imagine how rough that was so i was like i want no part of that whatsoever yeah and then just the island itself so many times we have characters who are like i need to go clear my head and like i'm not going anywhere clearing my head alone where there's i keep saying quicksand but like you know mudslide that you can get stuck in caves that whisper and like all this i don't know i'm also a colossal scaredy cat um paranoid individual so that definitely uh plays a factor but for some reason i couldn't really picture the setting and, but it didn't really take away from the story. Like, I still got a lot out of it from the characters. In general, I really, really enjoyed this book. I'm excited for more that we'll read in the future in this genre. And I'm glad that, like you said, I mean, this definitely, and even with, like, Murder on the Orient Express and Murder Mystery on Netflix, this idea of whodunit, we, we know it, you know? We're familiar with it. But it was nice that she was still able to have that surprise factor i had no idea ifa was gonna be the murderer yeah i was gonna say i'm always very impressed when you can take such an overdone genre like this one you know Mm -hmm. and still manage to surprise people there's only so many variations you can do and it kind of seems like with this type of story they've all been told and so the fact that she was able to give us so many like (gasps) moments was really impressive and i really enjoyed it it's definitely one of my favorites that i've read this year so far like for the podcast or otherwise so if you like this episode or you like what you've been hearing with the podcast please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review our next episode will be on the nest by cynthia dupree sweeney thanks for hanging out and we'll see you next episode thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today for more updates you can be sure to follow us on twitter at booksolidpod on Instagram at booksolidpodcast like us on facebook at booksolidpodcast and also join our group Please stay tuned after the outro for more information on our donation of the week.
Tamir Rice, shot and killed by police. Philando Castile, shot five times, killed by police. Alton Sterling, shot six times, killed by police. Breonna Taylor, shot at least eight times, killed by police. George Floyd, an officer knelt on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, killed by police. Jacob Blake, shot seven times by police, currently paralyzed and hospitalized. Enough is enough. This past May, the brutal and senseless death of George Floyd sparked nationwide outrage. Protests erupted across not only the United States, but the entire globe. The world collectively took a stand. The prejudice that Black men, women, and children face at the hands of police could not and would not be ignored. While citizens across the country have exercised their right to peacefully protest the injustices within our country and demand change, they have been met with violence and unlawful arrests at the hands of law enforcement. For this week's donation, we have chosen the Milwaukee Freedom Fund, an organization that was created by Black and Brown organizers to provide bail, resources, and aid for those who are dedicated to supporting the struggle for liberation. It is up to all of us to take action in this ongoing fight for justice and equality. To learn more about the Milwaukee Freedom Fund and how to donate, please visit our show notes and we'll see you in our next episode.